Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. We've all seen countless headlines about harassment at work and I've also seen many reports on the prevalence of harassment and sexual harassment in Irish workplaces. So although we've also seen progress in legislation and the arrival of new codes of practice and a lot of I suppose, progress and things to be done, why is it still a problem and what can we do to tackle it? So to talk about this, we're delighted to be joined again for the second week in a row. Um, so good we brought him back again. Uh, Joe Thompson, HR consultant here at Inside HR. Thanks for joining us again, Joe. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me. And we're also joined again by our very own Liam Barton, senior HR consultant here at Inside HR. How are you, Liam? Very well, Owen. Thank you. Brilliant stuff. And delighted to have you both back again for the second week in a row, again on a similar but equally as important uh, issue. Um, so look, let's jump right in. So Joe... Firstly, can you talk to us about some of the key legislation here around harassment, sexual harassment in the workplace? Um, and can you talk to us, I suppose, about the, the kind of key differences as well? Yeah, I mean, when we talk about harassment and sexual harassment, the, the legislation is the Equality Act. Um, to be harassed, the behaviour needs to relate to one of the nine protected characteristics so that I put myself under pressure now. So it's uh, gender, age, family status, sexual orientation, civil status, marital status, disability, race, religion, and membership of the traveling community. Is that all of them? I think that's all of them. Yes, I never know. So, and when we're dealing with a matter in the workplace, our reference point in how we build policies and procedures is the, um, the code of practice, which was only updated last year, actually. Um, the code does state employers need to take proactive steps to prevent harassment. So in many ways, very similar to, to bullying, you need to provide a safe working environment and you need to make employees aware of what's expected of them in the workplace. So, you know, the legal interpretation of the behaviour is that it's unwanted conduct and that it has to create an intimidating, degrading or humiliating environment for the person who's subject of that behaviour as well. Um, and harassment isn't just physical it's, it's verbal, it's written, it's visual, and it's acknowledged by the legislation to manifest in, in a lot of different ways. The other thing to remember as, as well about um, harassment is, is the difference between discrimination and harassment. They're not interchangeable. You know, uh, discrimination is when you suffer adverse employment actions due to protected characteristics, and harassment is mistreatment of work, which amounts to a hostile environment. So there is, you can't pick and choose between them. So, yeah, 100%. And I suppose with sexual harassment, then, Joe, it's kind of, there's a reason that's out on its own. It's a little bit different here. Standard, yeah. I say everyday harassment, but it's the wrong way to put it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Sexual harassment is obviously, it's harassment on the, the basis of gender. And it's, you know, the, the same way as unwanted conduct of a sexual nature, which is the, the distinction between the two. But it's, again, it's very similar. Yeah, definitely. And again, two very serious issues. Um, and I suppose good to speak about them together because they are quite similar, but also 
I suppose to to differentiate between them as well again to to give them their due attention. Um, so I suppose Liam again kind of similarly and again I know it's it's tough with two separate but similar issues. How do these issues kind of manifest themselves in the workplace? What impact can they have on the organisation? And most importantly, the employees. Again, this is kind of tough stuff as well to deal with, Liam, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, on on the human level, um, Owen, it can be horrendous to deal with. I mean, it can be horrendous for a, for a woman in particular to be sexually harassed at work. Um, we know what happens. Again, as, as we discussed about last week, the majority of cases go unreported uh, or unchallenged. Um, in many cases, people decide to up sticks and people even decide to up sticks and move location for, from a personal point of view. Um, so it, it, on a human level, in terms of degrading behavior, insulting, humiliating uh, behavior um, at work, um, it can be appalling. Um, it does happen. It can cause personal injury, illness, uh, long-term sick leave. Um, it can cause mental health issues uh, for the individual con- concerned or who, who's subject to the harassment. Um, from an organizational viewpoint, um, it's also very challenging in terms of, you know, very often longer-term sick leave or it could be sporadic absences. It could be a reduction in productivity. It could be a reduction in communications or engagement. Um, so not only is it is sexual harassment at work and harassment at work bad for the individual, it's very bad for the organization. Um, on a number of levels from all the evidence would would indicate on from you know being a very cynical um you know from a profitability point of view it's very bad um because it means higher absenteeism lower productivity less collaborative solutions being discussed within the the workforce less imaginative solutions to challenges at work um lesser interactions between between departments um from from a human point of view, it's 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 very very difficult in terms of characteristics, what to look out for. Again, it's probably a lack of engagement. It can be low mood. It can be lower productivity. It can be missed deadlines where somebody is is typically always capable of meeting their deadlines, and then suddenly something happens and they start to um, miss deadlines. It can be nervousness, anxiousness. Um, so, so it really can manif- manifest itself in a range of different ways within within organisations, and I think it's it, it's a key thing that we're proactive as individuals within organisations that we're promoting um, a positive workplace culture um, where everyone has a key role to play, irrespective of their background, gender, um, etc. So, I, I think really what we'd be promoting is very much a proactive approach. Um, both in terms of policies and procedures, but also training and employee engagement. 100%. And I suppose perfect segue on to my question for you, Joe, about that kind of proactivity, prevention is better than cure and all that kind of stuff. And I know there obviously is some similarities to anyone who listened last week. There will be some similarities in the conversation underneath the umbrella of dignity at work. It was important, I think, to talk about this issue, these two issues separately on their own podcast. I suppose when it comes to the prevention proactivity piece, then, Joe, I suppose what kind of proactive measures can organisations implement to kind of prevent these issues from occurring in the first place? I mean, policies, training, all that kind of stuff again. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is absolutely crucial to 
to deal with the matter professionally, internally, when it does happen. Because if it does get to the point where the complainant makes a complaint outside of the workplace, the WRC for any reason, you know, there's there's a, the chance of reputational damage since the Zalewski case in 2021, all cases in WRC are public record. You can go and check them. And it is not a good look for any employer to be in WRC dealing with sexual harassment cases. So there's a huge amount of you know, importance on getting it right and getting it right in house and, and putting in place preventive measures. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, that is policies, procedures, and then training on same of, of the policies and procedures, you know. Um, businesses need to demonstrate that they take active steps to discourage harassment at work. A policy on its own isn't enough. You know, we can't control all of the actions of employees. And sometimes it feels slightly over the top to employers that they are responsible for everything. But as long as you've been explicit in your expectations of how the employees need to behave in the workplace through documented training, you know, getting employees to sign their understanding of that training, you're going a long way to firstly fulfilling your responsibility to offer a, a good and safe workplace, but secondly, to, to close your legal exposure for the company from a vicarious liability point of view, which from HR perspective is a value add. You know, you're, you are actively saving your company money you're actively saving the reputation of the company from an employer brand and from getting into the news for the wrong reasons. I think we all know that, you know, you read the the Irish Times from one week to the next, there is normally a high profile sexual harassment case and that company is named in that paper. You know, so it's very important to keep yourself out of those headlines. 100%, no matter what way you look at it from the, the brand side, from the employee side, there's so much, so much importance on that for active and prevention piece because again, it's, it's a serious issue harassment, sexual harassment, bullying, anything to do with that. Um, so Liam, I suppose if these issues kind of do happen, um, how can businesses kind of create a kind of safe and supportive environment for employees to come forward with their concerns? I mean, as, as opposed to dealing with the issue itself, because we'll, we'll speak about that after, but just to kind of put a bit of attention on that kind of safe space, supportive environment. Again, how can we kind of make sure that people feel okay with coming forward? Because as we spoke about last week and as we spoken about on previous chats, Liam, Again, sexual harassment, harassment. Not not everyone comes forward, and there's a reason for that, isn't there? There is. There is on. Um, how how can we? It, it's a very. It's a very hard question on one level to answer because you're you're talking about employee behaviour and how how an employee perceives. Well, if I have this issue, how will I be treated by my employer? How will it work out for me? Um, how confident would I be? in the internal policies and procedures and the people within the organization that I'll get a, a, a supportive um, landing ground in, in relation to the challenges that I, that I bring forward. And in a lot of cases, it's, it's almost what, what, what Joe said there. It depends on the people within the organization. And th- that's not a standard um, situation because you have variables in relation to people's reaction how people treat, whether it's a large or a smaller organization, whether the processes and the, the policies and procedures are better defined, what's the culture of the organization. So all of those things on vary between organization to organization. I think if we're giving advice to organizations, what do you need? You need to have the appropriate policies and procedures which reflect current employment law and current codes of practice. 
they need to be articulated to people within the organization at all levels. Um, you need to have training in relation to the policies and procedures across the organization at every level. You need to have, I suppose, a culture which comes from the top down to the bottom, but also from the bottom up to the top in terms of we don't tolerate harassment of any kind. Yes, it's written in our policy and procedure. It's written in all the policies and procedures, I'm sure. No policy and procedure says, well, actually, harassment and sexual harassment is okay. Um, they all um, define it as being unacceptable and inappropriate. But what are the values within the organization? Do people see, hear things which would be contrary to that policy? And does that behavior go unchallenged? And if the behavior goes unchallenged, then it's almost a norm within the organization that you know, harassment happens, you know, it's not ideal, but, you know, what, what, what can you do? A kind of shrug of the shoulders, it, it goes, goes on. Um, so you really need to have a very proactive senior management team, in my view, um, who at induction and at very sta various stages throughout the year, really as part of almost the company KPI, say, look, let's talk about employee behavior. Here are the norms we expect from our managers. Here are the norms we expect here are the standards of behavior and interaction which we think are acceptable and appropriate. And here, let's be very, very clear and let's have a very serious discussion about what we deem to be unacceptable and inappropriate behavior and how this will be dealt with through the disciplinary process. So there has to be, I suppose, if I can use the analogy of a carrot and a stick approach on the carrot is the supportive organization, um, an empathetic understanding an acknowledgement that things will go wrong within the workplace. People will say things and do things which which they ordinarily shouldn't. Um, but the stick is very much that if you behave, if you conduct sexual harassment or harassment at work, you will be taken through the disciplinary procedure and you'll be dismissed. And I think if people understand that, that's a very powerful tool. Whereas if people, well, yeah, if that happens, they might get a slap on the wrists and you know, it'll be forgotten about a couple of weeks later. Uh, I, I think there has to be a serious approach. And certainly we've seen within organizations we've supported where incidents have happened and people have been taken through the disciplinary process and they've been dismissed. And there's no more powerful tool than that within an organization. And I do think an organization in a nice way has to bear its teeth occasionally to say, actually, do you know what? That's just not acceptable behavior. And actually, we don't want you to continue as an employee within our organization. And I think most reasonable people would understand that um, based on the context of, of, of what, what's happened. So I think it's, it's a multifaceted approach, but doing the simple things well, policies and procedures, training at all, all stages, having the support mechanism in place that will support that, but also having a process that where somebody behaves contrary um, to the norms and behaviours and values of the organisation and, and contrary to what's set out in the policy and procedures that they're taken through a disciplinary process and dismissed. Because ultimately, I think that's where people make their judgment on is what happens if what happens if somebody does behave in an appalling fashion towards a, a female at work? What happens if somebody is harassed on the basis of their nationality or what happens if somebody make 
makes jokes about somebody on the basis of the color of their skin. But what, what happens in that scenario? And if what happens is Asha will do a bit of training and we'll give them the policy and procedure and sure it'll be grand, it, you know, it mightn't happen again. Um, I, I think people very, very clearly make their their opinions possibly private, privately on the organization and its values. And you can have whatever you want in the mission statement and that'll look lovely and fluffy. But people make their minds up on, on the deeds and actions of people within the organization and how those types of situations are dealt with on. And very often there's, very often in some instances, there's an appalling uh, response from organizations and senior managers uh, within organizations where very, very inappropriate behavior uh, takes place. And, you know, there's kind of a chat uh, because the person who's done the appalling or committed the appalling behavior is either a senior person or a critical person within the organization. Um, so I, I think organizations and particular leaders need to, need to show a very clear example where instances like this occur. And just on that point, actually, as well, is, mm. you know, when you go through an investigation and a prima facie case has been established that somebody may have sexually harassed another employee and then you you then go to a disciplinary process. You need to follow your process and what it says there. If your policy says that, you know, gross, miscon- gross misconduct is constituted by, you know, a, a substantiated claim of sexual harassment or harassment, the punishment for that is dismissal. You can't then turn around and give somebody a written warning because then it's going to be very evident to the person who made the complaint. They're still working there. They're still having to work with them. And in that way, you're not providing a safe environment for the employee to work in. And then, you know, there, there was a high-profile case last year where, you know, there was a founding of 90,000 against the employer because they refused to re- remove a senior member of the team. And then the employee left who made the complaint because clearly she could not continue to work with him. And from, you know, an implicit standpoint, the, empo- the employer is seen to be fine with that behavior going on it's a slap on the wrist and it's not really what you should be looking for in terms of employer brand you know it's it's catastrophic to employer brand really yeah really all the the employer is doing is almost condoning tacitly mm, condoning absolutely. the behavior that's that that that's that's and, and i think you're right both existing employees in that scenario joe and prospective new employees will look at that organization and say mm, i i don't Think so particularly within a, a tight labor market you know definitely so let's yeah let's, let's talk about that process a little bit so then like as you said joe it's it's not something you want to get wrong i mean from an employer brand side of things you don't want to be known for that culture you don't want to end up on a, a, a news outlet with it with a big wrc case but you also don't want to make it harder on the people who are actually in this process because as we said it's a tough process so is there kind of a certain few steps, is there a certain set process that organizations should be kind of putting in place when it comes to harassment, sexual harassment? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's crucially important to get the first steps right. Obviously, from a HR perspective, you receive a complaint and you need to consider the complaint's content and then offer guidance on, on what the nature of it is. As I mentioned earlier, you know, some of the, the buzzwords that we encounter when we're dealing with complaints like this People use them interchangeably. You know, they might say, I've been discriminated against, I've been bullied, and I've also been harassed. And, and you know, you need to decipher what it is and give the right direction to the person who's coming to you with 
the complaint and you don't say, tell them, well, you haven't been bullied. You say, well, look, this is the definition as it's laid out in our handbook. You know, make a decision yourself which process you'd like to go down and we'll, we'll support you in that. You know, it's when you're going through a formal process, whether that be a harassment process or a bullying process to, to investigate it, they're long and they take a while and there's a lot involved in them as well. And from a, you know, from a working perspective, from a company perspective, whoever is investigating that matter is going to take up a full-time job. You know, it is not something you can pick up for an hour a week and then go back to. There's a lot in it. So you need to, you need to follow your procedure and you need to follow your process and you need to refer to people who know what they're doing as well. You need to be trained. You, you can't do these things. You can't do these investigations and processes unless you've been trained in how to do them because you'll make a mistake and that can cost the money, cost the company an awful lot of money. Mm -hmm. 100%. And I suppose then, Liam, kind of related to what you were saying earlier about a culture of acceptance nearly, I suppose. So it's kind of a, it's a purely devil's advocate question. You want to get that obviously highlighted straight off the bat. So harassment can obviously manifest in various forms. And I think this idea of banter, I'm sure, kind of raises its head in some situations. So how can HR professionals and leaders kind of recognize and address, I suppose, those kind of subtle, and I say this with like, obvious quotation marks with the hands here, how can they address those perceived kind of flippant issues or flippant claims? And again, devil's advocate. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think if I can answer that on, I, I think most people in society and most people in society and people within workforces as well have a reasonable sense of what's appropriate and acceptable in the workforce and what's not appropriate and in, in, acceptable in the workforce. And when people hear things, um, you know, they might say, actually, I don't think that's really appropriate um, comment or appropriate discussion um, within a, a, a workforce. So I think there's a couple of things. One, what the organization can do is sort of define within the policy and procedure what we think the definitions are in terms of harassment, sexual harassment, but drill down in terms of acceptable behavior, not acceptable behavior. Um, is it acceptable to tell a joke at work? Um, yeah, I think it's it's acceptable. Is it uh, acceptable to have fun uh, and enjoyment and um, a discussion uh, where people laugh at work? Of course it is. But I, I think there's also a sense that, you know, there are certain jokes uh, which denigrate minorities or people on the basis of the color of their skin or, you know, certain genders, which are not acceptable. And I think, you know, you can't go down and, and write down 150 jokes which are acceptable and 150 jokes which are not acceptable. Not, and I'm not suggesting an organization would. But I, I think all you can do is is put in place, you know, a reasonable expectation that we don't think comment or... Um, I suppose, any sort of discussion or dialogue regarding, you know, um, the following areas are appropriate types of, of, of discussions at work um, where someone is denigrated or ridiculed on any of the nine grounds that, that Joe has, has alluded to. Um, and I think if an issue does arise, then, you know, you look at that instance against the policy and procedure that you have, 
and what you as an organization would deem to be acceptable and appropriate um, conduct and behavior at work. And you don't have to be a prude. We're all uh, people who've, you know, lived and, 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 and grown up. Um, but I think, again, most of us would have a reasonable understanding of what's acceptable and not acceptable. And where, I suppose, there's banter, um, you know, is everyone part of the joke? Does everyone share equally or is, is one person or one individual um, the subject or the butt of the jokes? Um, is the, does somebody within the workforce or the department not find it especially funny? Are they being subject to ridicule on the basis of where they're from or who they're married to or, or what, whatever it is? So I think the standards and expectations of behavior and conduct at work on in 2023 are different to what they were in 2003 and 2013. And I, I personally think that's a good thing. Um, that doesn't mean you can't crack a joke at work. I mean, you, you can't have a bit of fun. Um, but I think you do so within certain parameters. And as, as we've alluded to, I think if, if, those, if those jokes aren't found to be particularly funny by the recipient, um, if one person is being subject to ridicule, um, if they're not of an appropriate nature or the email that's being sent around um, isn't, you know, in line with what the IT policy would, would, would expect, I think that's a problem. And I, I, again, it comes back to your policy and procedure. I know we're probably laboring the point, the policy and the procedure and the training. And what is acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable behavior. And again, I think most people have a reasonable understanding of that. And, you know, you have outliers in terms of, I, I think there was a case within a, um, a a coffee chain where one particular individual within a WhatsApp group thought it was appropriate behavior to put an image of a male penis on the top of a, a cup of coffee and to send it around to various colleagues. So, you know, there are outliers where we can clearly say, well, look, that's not appropriate and that's unacceptable. And I, I, I do think it was off the top of my head taken through the disciplinary process, etc. cetera. But um, as Joe said, the organization can't be the police in terms of going into every conversation within every aspect of the workforce. They simply can't, won't ever have the resources. All the organization can do is have the appropriate policies and procedures, communicate that to everyone including contractors. And I think this is an important point. Contractors are people or consultants who frequent the organization and often own, they may be part of the problem, um, train people within the organization and or possibly consultants or, or contractors and set reasonable expectations regarding behavior and conduct and follow up if there is something contrary to the standards and norms of behavior. And I think that's a very, very important point because if people, if people know, you know, if I behave inappropriately, there's going to be a sanction. Then they're forewarned. So, you know, they, they can't be surprised if they're dismissed on the, on, on the basis of behaving inappropriately at a company barbecue or uh, a Christmas party or a function or whatever it may be. And I, I, I do think that's where organizations need to be balanced and appropriate. Um, 
and and deal with things on a proportionate basis on because you know there might be something where somebody does something and it's a lower level disciplinary sanction but there might be something where somebody says or does something where it's a dismissal mm-hmm. so and and you have to f- try and with training find the right balance would, would be my advice definitely and i suppose that's why i asked the question to kind of put it out there because it is a lot about those standards respect um, and taking things seriously no matter what they are because again that whole term of banter is subjective it's down to the the person who's at the the end of the harassment or the sexual harassment that 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 is the the, the key the key um person there so yeah i know it's, it's great to, to highlight that liam so appreciate that um so look i suppose again final question um i'll come to both of you uh, and joe i'll come to yourself first so look again there's a lot to this there's a lot of legislation to navigate there's a lot of ways and things you can do to prevent it so kind of any final key advice joe for someone who might be worried about the culture and organization or who just is worried about actually dealing with these kind of things and god how do i do it that kind of thing yeah i mean for, for people that are worried about it, I, I would say that they're not alone you know harassment and, and sexual harassment in particular you know are, are still very prevalent issues in the workplace and they've been endemic in workplaces forever which which is a sad reality and i, I know we've previously spoken about um the survey from dublin rape crisis which showed that three quarters of people surveyed had experienced sexual harassment. And of that number, 60% of them experienced that behavior at work, which is a frightening statistic. It kind of takes my breath away, to be honest. Which, which means as well is that, you know, HR professionals and managers in workplaces have their work cut out for them because more likely than not, you will encounter this situation in your workplace and you need to be ready and you need to be trained to do with it. But um, my advice to somebody who's worried about it would be not to be quiet if you're uncomfortable um, or you've been made to feel uncomfortable through someone else's actions, speak to someone in your organization in confidence. You have the right to do it in confidence. If you have a HR representative or department, um, they'll be able to talk to you about your concerns, give you direction, give you advice, offer support where possible. And if you, if you feel brave enough, brave enough, call out the behavior where you see it. You know, I know it's easier said than done, but, you know, situations like that, they need corrective action. And that speaks to the culture in the in the workplace as well. If somebody feels confident and comfortable to come forward and, and say, I'm not happy with how I've spoken to or this action that took place in front of me. You know, I mean, we said it manifests itself in so many different ways. And I know myself and Liam have done investigations and, and been involved in processes whereby it can be insidious, it can be pictures, it could be drawings, it could be text messages. You know, the, the list is endless of ways in which harassment rears its ugly head. And you, you have to be ready as a HR professional to deal with those situations. Definitely. And look at Liam, I suppose, adding on to that then. I mean, prevention is better than cure. It's something we, we say a lot, isn't it? And then when these things do unfortunately happen, I suppose it's about taking them seriously. So is there any kind of final advice? From your perspective, Liam, I know it's something we've spoken about quite a lot. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Joe has has correctly articulated a, a lot of it there. I mean, it does take somebody to stand up within the organisation, Owen, and that's that's a hard thing to do to put your head above the, the parapet. Particularly, I think what can sometimes happen is within an organisation, there's a culture of you know inappropriate behaviour towards women or unacceptable behavior towards people of a certain ethnic background or, you know, um, and that's, that's unacceptable. And 
particularly within certain organizations that mightn't have well-developed HR functions, um, you know, it takes somebody to say, actually, do you know what? I don't think this is appropriate behavior. I don't like this type of behavior. And as Joe said, that, that takes an element of bravery. And I think every time within an organization own that there's inappropriate behavior or there's unacceptable behavior or there's an inappropriate joke and somebody doesn't challenge it, it feeds into the dynamic and that becomes the norm and the culture within the organization. And people see that. And, you know, that's, that's difficult. That's a difficult culture to break. So if, if you have a HR department within that type of culture, which is promoting, you know, the right values and the right cultures, if within other parts of the organization, there's a culture that's the opposite of that, um, then it's going to be very, very difficult um, to break the cycle. Um, so you do need an element of, of bravery on behalf of people um, and you need backup and clear example from the leaders within the organizations. Because very often the leaders within the organizations won't be aware of what's going on in the warehouse or won't be aware of what's going on in XYZ or whatever department. Um, and they can't know every conversation or every email that, that's sent. But I, I, I do think as organizations, we can be more proactive in this area. And one area is, you know, let's do... Uh, an employment uh, employee engagement survey uh, and let's delve into this whole area of harassment sexual harassment um how safe do you feel at work and that can be your your physical safety um you know your emotional safety um how well do you think the organization treats people um what are the prevailing attitudes and norms towards you as a woman as you know a member of the traveling community as from um, ethnic background, wh- whatever. So I think establishing that, and sometimes own organizations don't do that. And the reason they don't do it is they don't. If 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 they're really really honest, if they're really honest, actually I don't want to know, right? Because then I might have a problem. Then I become absolutely aware of a problem within my workforce, and I have to address it and challenge it. So I think it's so important that we reach out and, and establish as independently and as objectively as, as, as you can, what's the temperature gauge within the organization? Can I be confident people aren't being sexually harassed? Can I be confident that people aren't being harassed on any one of the nine grounds? Why would I be confident? I don't know whether they are or not. You know, I don't, I, the reality is we don't know. So let's reach out and, and really do some sort of survey and, and probe the answers. And I think like the example which I think Joe gave, which is horrific if you think about it. Three quarters of the people um, claimed to have suffered sexual harassment, 60% of them at work. I mean, that's a really appalling statistic on any level in Irish society. Um, so I, I, I do think it's, it's like those conversations uh, for organizations. Do we really want to go here? Do we really want to reach out and find out what's what's happening? Because in some cases, Owen, if it's anything like the, the stat that, that Joe has, has referenced there, we mightn't like the findings, but I think it's better to get the findings and to be open and honest about it and then really try and put in place a, a corrective action plan because otherwise we really don't know we're in the dark. 100%. And look, these are serious issues, so it's important to, to take it seriously, not just when you're dealing with them, but as you say, Liam, before they even, before they even happen. 
as I say, look again, these are serious issues. So we do have a number of podcasts on a lot of these uh, topics. Uh, I'd urge people to go listen to our episode with Mauler Brady Bates from the end of last year, where we did speak about those Dublin Rape Crisis Centre results and a lot more to do with that. We've also spoken to Sarah Benson of Women's Aid, and we've done a couple of case law reviews on this topic with Adrian Toomey as well. So do please feel free to to listen back to to those as well. In addition to hopefully the helpful episode you've and the helpful advice you've, you've got today from from um, Liam and Joe. So look, thank you to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next one of our podcasts. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. As I say, do reach out to us for any of these issues. We can help with everything from contracts and handbooks right up to investigations and everything else. And we do also have a number of guides available on this topic and others. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insighthr.ie. Thank you, Joe, and thank you, Liam. Thanks, Owen. Thanks very much, Owen. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember... If you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.